Welcome to season three of This Is Me. My name is Katie Matten and in the previous two seasons, Siobhan met everyday Australians and they shared with us their life-changing moments. In this new season of This Is Me, we have 10 inspiring stories that will hopefully let you walk a mile in someone else's shoes. If you have a story you'd like to share, you can DM us at This Is Me Podcast on Instagram. Hi, I'm Kat DeLuca. I'm a business owner and a mum. I'm from Brisbane and I suffered severely with postnatal anxiety. There's some stains on your photo. They all cracks on your rusty frame. Kat, let's go back to your background. Did you always live in Brisbane? Yeah, I grew up in Brisbane. Grew up on the north side. And I live with my parents, so my mum and my dad. I'm an only child. And you had a happy upbringing? Yeah, it was good. I think it was probably a bit lonely being an only child. My parents were a little bit older as well, so I felt like they were very (laughs) old-fashioned. Yeah, it was fairly happy at home. I was bullied a bit through school, so school life was quite challenging and quite lonely as well. Was that primary school or high school? That was both. You know, I never could figure out why, but I felt like nobody liked me. Um, I felt like, well, nobody wanted to be my friend. Often I would sit by myself through, particularly in primary school, and I couldn't ever really figure out why that was. But I've done a lot of reflection as an adult, and I think that looking back and seeing my parents never really had any friends. They didn't have anybody come over. So I never learnt from them about how to be a good friend. And then I had no siblings, so I couldn't learn from my siblings having friends. Um, I may have been quite a selfish or rude child. Yeah, I don't know, demanding or um, just not very polite to the other kids without really realising it. That's what I've come to believe was the cause of some of that when I was a kid. Did you talk to anybody about the bullying at the time? No. (laughs) I definitely didn't talk to my parents. I just dealt with it all internally. Uh, I didn't feel like I had a close relationship with my parents. They were just my parents and given they were a bit older, I don't know, it just felt like it was an old-fashioned sort of parent-child relationship where I couldn't really confide in them. So, no, I didn't really talk to them at all. And you didn't talk to any teachers about it? No, I didn't talk to any of my teachers. Um, I did have friends that would come and go um, and some friends that I thought were really good friends and then at other point would turn around and say that I'm not allowed to sit with them. Um... And so, no, I didn't really talk to anybody. And then when it got to high school, the same thing happened again, particularly from boys, more so in high school. But I realised that I could get attention from boys as well because I was starting to come into puberty and that, that I could get some attention from boys and maybe that was more negative in the long run as well. Did you have any boyfriends at high school? Yeah, I had a boyfriend in like grade 11. He went to a different school, hung out with him for about eight months. 
that was a pretty good relationship really but that was probably where I was getting my social interaction from like I didn't have great female relationships so I just sort of relied on the male relationships did you find that the bullying that you suffered at school had an impact on your self-confidence oh massively huge it still does um the whole of my childhood I felt like people didn't like me I felt like I wasn't good enough that I was less of a person than other people and then even into my university degrees it was like the same story even as an adult I have two degrees a science degree and a physio degree and I was doing the physio degree at like age 26 and even then I had a girl in that class tell me that she didn't want to sit with me she didn't want to study with me at 26 yeah why and then that just fed into everything that I had experienced as a kid it was like the same story just on repeat well I think when I started physio because I had a science degree first and all the other people in my class had exercise physiology degrees because I did a master's of physio so we all had an undergraduate study I probably wasn't as well prepared for physio as what they were their knowledge of anatomy and exercises and that was much more than what I was because I had been learning about cloning and genetic engineering so I really struggled in that first semester and it was an accelerated course too it was done in two years rather than four so it was high pressure and I was just slower and when we would sit there and study in a small group I just couldn't keep up I would just sit there quietly and just take in what everybody else was saying I couldn't really contribute at that point but I was still learning because I was listening to other people but then that wasn't good enough for them so they always said they didn't want me around anymore how did that make you feel when they were like that oh man it was like primary school all over again it was horrible and I retreated into my shell I went quiet from then on this happened towards the start of the two-year degree and so for the rest of the two years I just retreated because I was that embarrassed and that shy and that self-conscious that I felt really awkward about talking and trying to be friends with anybody else and then I think I felt like everybody in the degree looked at me like I was the odd one out like I was the loner I suppose I didn't get invited to drinking sessions and parties and whatnot whereas everybody else would does anyone reach out to you and say hey are you okay I do have one good friend Rebecca from the course I think she was aware that how I was feeling but then everybody sort of accepted her and was friends with her and so she was still very much included and invited to things but I was still very much on the outer with everybody else. When it comes to bullying we're often told bystanders can have a massive impact on how things pan out. And it's actually our 10-year reunion this year from that degree and I expect there'll be some kind of possible catch-up but I don't think I'd even get invited. Do you think if you did go, some of those people might look back and go, oh, geez, we were mean? It'd be very interesting because I had the same predicament at my 10-year high school reunion. And how was that? I did actually talk to a couple of the guys that seriously bullied me. Um, and I did say to them, do you know how you made me feel back then? 
And one of them really did apologise quite sincerely to me. So that was nice. Kids can be really mean and you know that, you know, there was nothing wrong with you. It's just kids like picking on people and that's what they do. Mm. But for 26-year-olds doing a university degree, Mm. did you ever need any counselling to deal with how you felt about that? Um, I've had counselling throughout my 20s. It still really affects me. When I think about it, it brings up, I suppose, those bad emotions. Like, it makes me feel... What's wrong with me? Yeah. And it just makes me feel sad for myself and wish that I could have, you know, been the friend for myself. Yeah. (laughs) You know? I do have a wonderful group of friends now. Like, after I finished my physio degree... I got into mountain biking and made an amazing group of friends. So now I'm going to get emotional. It's okay. It's just a shame that it took this long. And most of my young life was spent feeling like shit and being alone and lonely. Now I get anxiety about things like that happening for my son, you know? Because you think, God, how can I stop that from happening? So that's why I'm so glad to have a good group of friends because I want to show. I want to show him how to be a good friend. Sorry. (laughs) That's okay. Do you look back now and go, there was nothing wrong with me. Those people were no better than me. In fact, they were worse because they were inflicting pain. Yeah, I mean, I suppose sometimes. And then I still have the self-doubt where you go, oh, maybe there was something wrong with me. I mean, there's, I know there's nothing wrong with me, but then I think, oh, maybe I could have been a better friend or maybe that would have helped, particularly in the younger years, maybe. It's not like being a good friend is something that a seven-year-old does consciously. It's just, I suppose, how you learn to be a friend from seeing other friendships around you, which is why, through my counselling... <laughs> That was something that we really figured out. I think not having any reference point of how to be a good friend in my life. My parents were there for each other, but they just never socialised and I had nobody else. So, What would you say now to yourself back when you were a kid in high school and you felt lonely and you didn't have any friends and people were making you feel like there was something wrong with you? What would you say to that girl now? There's nothing wrong with you and... You're amazing as you are. You've got so many wonderful qualities. You know, you're strong, you're caring, you're fun, you're interactive, you know, you're sporty, and that it does get better. (laughs) Yeah, that's awesome. (laughs) 
So tell me about what happened after you graduated. Did you get a job straight away? Yeah, I did. I got a wonderful job at the PA hospital as a new grad physio. Uh, It's so competitive to get a new grad position in Queensland Health. There was only seven positions at the PA and, you know, there's only 30 across Queensland. So out of like the hundreds of physios that graduate to get that position at a major hospital was just fantastic. So that was really lucky. So it was good riddance to your horrible time at school, but actually you came out of it with a great qualification and a fantastic job, smart and successful. Mm. When did you meet your husband-to-be? So it was good old Tinder. (laughs) That's how I met my husband. And uh, what do you know, it worked. He was the one. He's not the first person that you dated on Tinder, though, was he? No, not the first person I dated, no. But, um, yeah, I had some (laughs) shockers. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I didn't think very highly of the app because it wasn't very successful for me. And, you know, you hear all these stories, like, it's successful for some people, but not for everyone. Was there any particular standout, disastrous moments? Oh, well, just because I really wanted to have a family, but I didn't necessarily want to be with someone that who had already been married or who already had kids it wasn't a complete non-negotiable but ideally that would weigh into the decision and yeah I just went out to dinner with a guy and found out at dinner that he was still currently married and he had like three kids so I think you could have told me that earlier I would have saved (laughs) me putting on all this makeup and coming out Oh, I could have stayed home. <laughs> so when you met your husband-to-be, what's his name? Brent. When you met Brent, how was that? Did you know straight away he was a bit different? Um, well, first of all, he wasn't still married. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, his very first um, message to me on the app, never been married, you know, this is what I want in life, this is what I do for work, and, you know, where are you at? And I was like, oh, my God, this guy's like ticking all my boxes in the first text but then when I met up with him so he's from Ingham North Queensland he's a country boy grew up on a cane farm so I wasn't used to the country boy (laughs) he was saying oh he just wanted to go buy a property somewhere so he could ride his dirt bikes and you know live away from the city and I thought oh no that's not me no way I gotta be in the city this is never gonna work and he also was a FIFO worker as well because he works for a mining company and I thought no I don't want to date someone who's FIFO like I want someone who's going to be around every night you know to look after the kids and be there with me so I basically wrote him off after the first date I was like no not gonna happen and we could have actually just unmatched each other I don't think we'd even swap phone numbers yet but luckily we didn't and we decided to keep hanging out and He sort of said he was working towards an office job, getting out of the FIFO stuff and within the same company and hung out more and more. And it was probably then within a month of dating him that I knew he was the one. And he said the same for me. So that was pretty amazing. How soon after that did you get married? We got engaged after a year, married after two years and then baby just before three years. We both wanted kids. And I was in my 30s and so was he. So we both wanted to have children earlier rather than later. 
as soon as the wedding happened, it was like, let's start trying. And we fell pregnant straight away. And how was the pregnancy? Um, it was a nightmare. <laughs> nightmare from about 20 weeks. So I started to get rib pain. I did everything I could to try and get rid of this rib pain, but nothing would take it away. And it just got worse and worse to the point where I couldn't stand for longer than 30 minutes without being in agony. So I had to go on maternity leave earlier than planned. The pain was horrendous. And then to top it off at about 35 weeks, I developed preeclampsia. That's where you get really severely high blood pressure. um, And it can be a really big threat for you and the baby. So they admitted me to hospital and I was put onto blood pressure medication And blood pressure medication, I don't know if you've ever taken it, but it makes you feel like utter shit. So I was in agony from my ribs and I was just feeling awful because of the preeclampsia. There was no sleep. So my anxiety started to get worse. And I was like begging the doctors to take my baby out because I was so sick of feeling like crap. But obviously it's safer, better for the baby to be in there as long as possible, really. But then I went into spontaneous labor anyway at 36 and a half weeks. And then my baby was there. Tell me how that felt when you looked at your baby boy for the first time. Oh, it's surreal. It was amazing. He was just this curled up little mess, you know. (laughs) Um, They just showed me him because they were doing the C-section and then he needed help with breathing. So... They couldn't come and bring him over and, you know, rest him on my shoulder like you see in a lot of photos. That didn't happen. He had to get taken and put onto a CPAP machine to help with his breathing. I wasn't concerned about him needing breathing. I just went into recovery and they took me past his little crib because he had to go to the special care nursery. I was wheeled in the bed, so I got to see him. And then it wasn't till sort of later that day that I went down again and actually got to hold him and, yeah, start the journey. Did you have that new mum bliss? Yeah, I mean, I was pretty happy. I felt connected to him. He only needed the oxygen for an hour. And then we started trying to breastfeed. And then that's when the trouble started because he wouldn't latch. Um at all so I remember just sitting there in the special care nursery learning about how to position you know your baby for the first time um, whilst he had all these attachments on him so that was a bit awkward and then he wasn't latching like you just expect them just to latch and go for gold but that didn't happen so then we had to get the lactation consultant to come in and help and you have like the nurses there helping and I had that many women handling my boobs and shaping my nipples and getting my breast to be in the right position and I just don't have the nipples for breastfeeding they're just flatter I suppose that they don't look like a bottle a lot of people say breastfeeding is so natural and they just latch on Mm. and that's actually not how it is for a lot of women yeah there are so many women whose babies don't just latch on mm. easily like that and it's, you know, the perfect textbook yep. scenario. How did you overcome that? Did you continue to try and breastfeed? Mm. Yeah, so we tried. Um, my son was in the hospital for five days. So the whole time we were there, we kept trying and trying. And when he did latch, it was agony. 
and they say, oh, it's going to hurt a little bit. But I couldn't bear the pain. It was really, really severe. So this is all building up my anxiety. So we eventually decide to try him on formula, on a bottle. Like I was hand expressing and I was using a pump. He was feeding and he was safe to go home. So we kept trying. We kept seeing lactation consultants in the community. People would come to my house, community nurses. We'd also go into appointments in the hospital. So you got all these things that you've got to go and do to try and get the baby to breastfeed because, you know, breast is best. That's what they say. That's where the mum guilt comes in. That's a killer. He was just going nowhere. He just wouldn't latch. So we ended up deciding to stop because it was just too much for me mentally to try and manage. And in those first four weeks that you would have been exhausted too, Mm. up in the middle of the night, not much sleep. He wasn't sleeping. He would scream for six hours or more at a time and that's not an exaggeration. It would be like 7, 8 p.m. and he'd just scream right through to like 1, 2 a.m. It was horrific. And so then you think, God, they can't be screaming this much. Like something has to be wrong. You start researching formulas. Is it a cow's milk protein intolerance? Is it colic? I went to the GP a few times and she just said, oh, it's colic. He's got colic. He'll grow out of it. All babies cry. Really? For six hours at a time? Like, oh. I'm new at this mum thing, but something's wrong. I went to her on three different occasions and every time she just said it was, he'll grow out of it, making me feel like I don't know what I'm talking about as a mum. So then you start more mum guilt. What am I doing wrong? Uh, My husband is amazing and he is helping a lot with the night duty and having him being on formula, like on a bottle, at least he can help with night feeds, which was great. When did it go from that normal, I'm such an exhausted new mother, I'm up all the time, my baby's constantly crying, when did it get to the point where you thought, hang on, there's something wrong here? I knew there was something wrong probably from about three weeks of age. So I was talking to friends and they said, oh, go see a chiropractor. So I did go and see like an infant chiropractor who said, oh, he has a bit of a tongue tie. Oh, this is my answer. He's got a tongue tie. So we got that fixed. But that didn't fix anything. He was still screaming. It just got to the point where I just said, I just can't do this. I was that anxious. I was having like panic attacks daily, several times a day. It was kind of like my whole day was a panic attack. I just was that foggy. My body was that tight. I just couldn't function. I couldn't take care of my son. Every time my son was screaming, it was like that was a big trigger for me. I couldn't deal with the screaming anymore. And I was so tired. I just didn't know what to do. My body just wouldn't function anymore. I just didn't know where to go. So perinatal anxiety is an umbrella term. This is sort of those worries that something bad is going to happen. And when you have a new baby, it can be a lot of worries that something harmful is going to happen to your baby or that you are somehow going to harm your baby because you can't take care and of it. And I had been seeing a psychiatrist in the lead up, like during my pregnancy, because I had suffered with anxiety throughout my life. So I had been on some medication and this lady was a specialist in pre and postnatal women. So I was already seeing a professional that 
has admitting rights to Belmont Hospital, which is a mental health hospital on the south side. And they have a mother-baby unit there specifically for women with pre- and postnatal mental health issues. And I remember I just called her and I said, I just can't do this anymore. Is there a bed available? And she said, yes, thank goodness, because there's only 10 beds in the ward. Did you have any moments of relief when he was sleeping? They were only brief. (laughs) And given my anxiety and I am very much an overthinker, it would take me a very long time to wind down. And so I would spend those times mainly thinking about, oh my God, when's he going to wake up? He's going to wake up soon and it's going to be starting all over again. Oh my God, you're not going to be able to do it. He's going to wake up soon. And I'd talk myself into it, you know, like he's going to get up soon and he's going to be screaming again and you're not going to get any sleep again and it's going to be a shit night again. And Did it affect how you were towards him or felt towards him? Um, I always loved him, but it was kind of like it was just a chore, I suppose. I just have to do this. I just have to rock you for the next hour. You know, I just have to feed you again and it's just another thing after another thing. It was just a chore list to get through. It wasn't like this magical, oh, I'm so happy and I'm so in love with my baby and life is just, everything's complete now. I've got my baby, it was none of that. It was just a, oh my God. My life is this living hell of just repetition, dealing with a screaming child. I think maybe I lasted two or three months of helping with night shift. And then it got to the point where my husband just did it all. I just couldn't. How did you feel about yourself in that time? Oh, that's awful. Because you think you're the worst mother. How come I can't do it? And every other mother's doing it. How come I have to get my husband to do it? What kind of pathetic person am I where I can't look after my son and I can't get up at night other women get up at night other women have FIFO husbands who work away other women are solo parents do you think people often paint a rosier picture of it than what it probably is in reality massively and social media is the worst for that did you feel resentful at any time I felt angry it was like a chore to take care of him. I never regretted having him. I wanted him so badly. I've always wanted kids. I feel like for a lot of mums, society says that you can't say certain things even when your children are older and they're doing your head in or they're driving you mad and you mm. have those moments of going, oh my God, I hate you right now. Mm. Or at least thinking it in your head. Yeah. But society doesn't allow you to say that out loud so there's a lot of things that you have to keep bottled up Mm. as a mother and it's not until you know you have a conversation like this where you go actually it was messed up like I I didn't have Mm. the feelings that I thought I should have yeah absolutely because of what was going on and obviously mental health yeah definitely played the part in that yeah absolutely I think it's important to talk about that sort of stuff because I know that I'm not alone. And I've learnt that, particularly after now recovering and coming out the other side, like I do talk to a lot of people about it and I know that by sharing my story, it's going to help other people. Do you remember how you felt in some of those dark moments? 
It was just like I was very isolated, just extreme anxiety, extreme stress, my whole body feeling stiff and just a panic. Did you go back to those feelings when you were bullied at school of the what's wrong with me? Yeah, definitely around, particularly in the night shift, I needed my husband to get up. I just thought I was hopeless and pathetic. Like, you should be able to get up to your child. You're his mum. So you were admitted to the postnatal disorders section? Yeah. At the hospital? How was that? When I turned up, they admit you and your baby and... Within five minutes of me being there and the nurse coming in and greeting me and telling me about the place, of course my son was screaming because he's always screaming at that stage. She said, he's got silent reflux. I was like, oh, what's silent reflux? And she explained to me that that's where they're having reflux but the vomit's not coming out of their mouth. So it's coming up from their stomach, up their esophagus, and then it goes back down. So they're still getting all that burning of the esophagus. That's what he's got, and he should be on medication for that. And that was within five minutes. So within five minutes, I felt validated. And this sense of relief, it was such a blessing to go in there and be able to spend the time that I needed in there to be able to access that. You'd need to have a certain amount of private health to be able to access that kind of facility and it's such a shame that they don't have something like that in the public system. How long were you in the hospital for? I was actually there initially for two weeks and I said I'm ready to go home and I went home and I had about two days at home and I said actually I'm not ready so I went back for another two weeks. And did your husband come and visit you during that time? Were you allowed out? Yeah so you have to be there initially for 48 hours, I believe, without leaving the premises. But then after that time, then you're allowed to go on day leave. What was day-to-day in the hospital for you? So you're still seeing your psychiatrist. So they're the doctor that's looking after you. So you see them once a day, usually, and they are helping with your medications. During the night, the nurses look after the babies And then twice a week we have cognitive behavioural therapy with a psychologist. That was in a group setting, so all the women. And it just helped to normalise it and you realise that you weren't alone. Did it affect your relationship in any way? Oh, it certainly has in that we were no longer this loved up, newly married couple, but we were just two people in this absolute shit fight. And we were just trying to get through every day because it was really hard for him too. The sleep deprivation was there for him too, but he just didn't have the anxiety to go along with it. How quickly whilst you were in the hospital did you start to feel better? Probably within a week I was feeling a lot better. Did you have to stay on the medication for long? Yeah, I'm still on the medication actually. I've weaned down and now it's weaned down substantially Once you got home and you started to feel better and he started to get better and started to sleep a little bit more, did your feelings change towards him? Yeah, absolutely. I was able to bond with him more and have more of those loving moments where you're so happy to be with them. And my head wasn't so foggy 
anymore. How do you deal with the mum guilt that goes with that? I'm actually very kind to myself now and yeah it'd be great if I didn't have that anxiety but I did and that's just what happened so I don't beat myself up. How do you feel when you look at your beautiful boy now? Oh he's so cute. I just love him to bits. Like my heart hurts for him. He is so sweet. Yeah I just have unconditional crazy love for him. Like he's just everything. Tell me what inspired you to start your own business. So you were a physio, you went on maternity leave, you had your son, and then you decided to create your own clothing range. I know. Having been in the hospital and been through what I went through and having met so many other women while I was in there and realising how horrible that whole situation is and how by talking about it can make you feel so much better and relieve so much of that anxiety and pressure on yourself. I wanted to bring that to other women, to promote good mental health and to promote kindness and to be kind to yourself. I really liked design and so I thought I'm going to put that on a t-shirt. So you're wearing one of your t-shirts right now and it says Mm. be kind, which Mm. is such an important message, particularly in this day and age where, you know, we've got social media and people are being nasty. You had a background of being bullied throughout your school years and your high school. It's such a statement. Mm. Just be kind. Exactly. Be kind to other people and be kind to yourself. It might inspire you if you're wearing the shirt, but then if someone else reads your shirt and sees your shirt, hopefully it inspires them in the same way. It's just a good reminder, you know, if you're about to shout at the shop assistant for not putting your groceries through on time Mm. because you're late or, you know, someone's not letting you out of a junction when you're driving, it's a great t-shirt just to remind people, be kind. Exactly. We're all the same. Yeah. Um, So your clothing range, your website is called Buy Cat DeLuca. Yeah. Cats with a K. Dot com buycatdeluca.com and a dollar from every item sold goes to Panda. Yes. So Panda is Perinatal Anxiety and Depression Australia. I wanted to give back. And so also on your website, people are able to contact you in regards to your mindful program? Yeah. So I created a mindset course. It's a 10-day online program for mothers uh, and it really takes you through step by step about how to manage challenging situations such as anything anxiety provoking. We cover mum guilt extensively and how to change those faulty thinking patterns. Um, They're techniques that I've used throughout my journey that have really gotten me to where I am today with my mindset and coming out of that really dark place to where I am now. And they're all evidence-based techniques What would you say to anybody else that's gone through something similar to you, Um, any of those postnatal mental illnesses, in particular postnatal anxiety, which you suffered, what would you say to someone else going through that? It gets better. (laughs) It will get better, but talk about it. Friends, family, your GP, Panda, it's a good service. DM me on Instagram. 
I talk about it all the time. Your yeah. Instagram is at bycatdeluca. At bycatdeluca. Yep. On Instagram. Mm. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing your story. Such an inspirational story, which I think will help so many other people going through postnatal disorders. And I wish you all the best for you and your husband and your beautiful little boy. Yes. Thanks, Katie. There's some stay.